1: Uh, that many people are getting wrong. Many, many people are getting wrong. And uh, I want to deal with this, the the origin and the source of sickness and disease. The origin and the source of sickness and disease. So if you're watching, take a minute to share because we're jumping in. One of the things, uh, good question. Luenda just asked, how is Pastor Dean Myers in Ohio? And uh, his daughter-in-law actually sent me a message uh, that I got on uh, on Facebook And I want to read you exactly what she said because I don't want to mess it up. I want it to be right, obviously. Uh, She said, his oxygen requirements have been dropping consistently. They even started talking about letting him go home in just a few days. So we go from ICU, getting ready to intubate him, uh, where the place where he was having extreme issues, and now they're talking about letting him go home. So let me just tell you something. Miracles are taking place. Prayer works. He's doing better, better, better. And so uh, I'm going to keep on praying until he's home and uh, strong and doing well. We love our our, our friends that are standing with us in the ministry. And he and his wife, Terry, are two of those people full of faith. So we love them very much. But tonight we're talking about this. James watching from Raceland, Louisiana. We're talking about uh, the power of God to heal, but also, and more importantly, the origin of sickness and disease and uh, no 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 his oxygen requirements are dropping they're taking meaning they're taking him off oxygen and letting him breathe on his own that's that's what i was saying not his oxygen is dropping his oxygen requirements are dropping and so uh, the reason that this is so important so many people have an issue understanding the origin of sickness and disease and because they do it hinders them literally from being able to receive miracles from god Miracles from heaven. And so tonight, I want to deal with this. I remember back when um, Hurricane Katrina hit and uh, all these different problems we've had. And it's hap- it happens every time there's a natural disaster. There's always somebody that gets on television or jumps on you know, the internet and starts posting that the reason these things happened was because uh, God's judging so-and-so or God's judging America or God's judging another nation. Uh, when, when Katrina hit, Louisiana, there were people that got on television and got on the internet and said the reason that the hurricane came is because God was sending it as a judgment because of all the voodoo that's going on in New Orleans and all the magic and whatever, all the godlessness. And then that's why it came and it was destroyed. Then when it happened in Haiti and all the issues happened in Haiti, the guy said, well, God was judging Haiti because of all of the uh, pagan uh, things going on all of the uh, all the demonic things happening on the island. You know, you go through anytime there's there's something like that happening, people get up and talk about how God's judging this place or God's judging that place. You know, well the, now then people are, are are trying to explain away, well how come this why is it that this uh, coronavirus is sweeping through the earth? Well, God's it's just a sign of the times, brother, God's judging the earth for its wickedness. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. And uh, the reason that I want to take a broadcast to talk to you about the origin of sickness and disease and why you can believe for miracles is because if you get this wrong, it will actually keep you from receiving from God. It's very important to understand that. There are some people that can't even stand in faith for their miracle because they are unsure whether or not God wants them To have the miracle. Now, this, let me tell you, this is hurtful to the body of Christ. Go with me to the book of James. Good question, Charlie. Does God still test people? God will never, ever test you with evil things, ever. Especially things that Jesus' blood redeemed you from. God will never, ever test you with evil things. I want you to know that tonight, every person that's watching. God never sends cancer as a test of someone's faith. He never sends cancer. So, you know, because there's people say, well, you know, I know the Lord's got another purpose in all of this. You know, you'll, you'll hear people talk like that. Well, I've been going through this or that, or I've been battling this sickness or this disease. And I know the Lord's got a greater purpose in all this. That is foolishness, absolute foolishness. God does not use evil things to test his children, ever, ever. And I'll deal with the nature of God as a heavenly father tonight in a little bit, but I want you to see this now. The uh, book of James, chapter one, Don says, Don on Periscope says, God tested Job with Satan. If you truly believe that that is the way to interpret that story, Don or anybody else that's watching, then you actually have to believe that God is in some sort of a partnership with Satan, and He uses Satan's powers to actually kill people's children, uh, bring sicknesses and diseases on people's bodies. I mean, if you just get to the very logical base level of, of thinking on stuff like that, if if that's the way that you you think you're supposed to interpret the story of Job, then you have to believe that God is somehow in partnership with the devil and that he was in that story somehow in partnership with the devil to destroy Job's body, his family, his, his economic welfare. And people that believe like that about the story of Job or about God as, and his nature and character don't know God and they don't know his word because that is not the way to interpret that story and that's not what happened. In fact, Job said out of his own mouth, The thing that I've greatly feared has come upon me. Satan is not a tool, Don. He's not a tool. He actually is an individual that desires to destroy men and women, which is where we're going to go with this broadcast tonight, is that Satan is an individual. He's not just a tool. He's an individual that has an agenda to destroy the lives, bodies, minds, and ultimately spirits of men and women that are on the earth. But I want you to start by looking with me at James chapter one, because if you don't get this, then you'll miss this whole broadcast. So look at this. The Bible says in, uh, for, uh, in James chapter one, verses six through eight, the Bible says, but let's actually start with verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, with no doubting. You see that with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea who is driven and tossed by the wind. Verse seven, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything of the Lord. He's a double minded man and unstable in all of his ways. So right off the bat, here's our text tonight, that you cannot be double-minded and expect to receive something good or anything good, the Bible says, from the Lord. You cannot be double-minded and expect to receive anything from the Lord. There's either faith or there's unbelief. There's faith or there's unbelief. And so I want you to understand this. When we go to expect God to do something good for us, and try to petition him based on his word, we can't approach him with doubt and unbelief and expect those things to take place in our lives. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God for they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so I want you to see this with me today, that if we're going to receive miracles and healing from heaven, there cannot be doubt, there cannot be unbelief about what God will do. For the Bible says that when there is, a person like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And the the reason that it's so dangerous that you have people getting on television and on the internet and saying, well, let me just tell you, this is just God judging the nation. This is God judging the world. This is God... First of all, the first problem that we have with that is number one, if you believe like that, now catch this because this is a vitally important point. If you believe like that, that God uses evil things to judge or test his children or the world itself, because, you know, look around, it's not just uh, sinners that have gotten the coronavirus, is it? There are Christian people who have gotten the coronavirus. Our pastor friend that we're praying for was attacked by the coronavirus. So if you believe that it's God sending these things as a judgment or even as a test, then you've got to believe that God uses evil things like sickness and disease to judge and test his children. Well, if that's the case, then you would have to call God an unjust God with no integrity whatsoever. Anybody who believes like that is saying that the God we serve is a crooked, unjust God with absolutely no integrity, no integrity whatsoever. Because, and I want to show you why, when Jesus Christ took stripes upon his back, those stripes healed our physical bodies. And I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that there's no sickness left in the world. Of course there's sickness left in the world. Of course there is, you can look around and see it. But sickness should not be the story of God's people because he's given them away out of sickness and out of disease, which is the divine healing power of Jesus Christ. And so though it does happen, it doesn't have to happen is the point I'm making to you. And then number two, think about this logically. The penalty for, de- for eternal death, the penalty for the wrongdoing of the world was put onto Jesus' body when he was on the cross. He took sin, he took sickness onto his body. Those words, mechab and koli in the Old Testament are actually our pains and our sorrows. Our pains and our sorrows, our sicknesses, one translation says. He took those onto his body And destroyed them on the cross. So he actually, and of course, Peter, the apostle, tells us this later in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, talking about Christ, by whose stripes you were healed. So Jesus took stripes on his back and was nailed to the cross, not only to destroy sin, but to destroy sickness and poverty. And so you're telling me that God judged Jesus on the cross. You realize that's what it was. He put the sin of the world, every wicked thing onto Christ's body. And then God judged him on the cross with crucifixion, judged him on our behalf, because I want you to, I want you to catch this. It's so important that you do. If God can use sickness to test his children, if he can use sickness to discipline his children, then guess what else he can then also use sin. He could, he could, God could cause you to fall back into sin. That's not true at all, Don. That is not true at all. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, but it doesn't mean you have to die of sickness. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you become immortal. No, nowhere does the Bible teach that. It's a straw man argument. Total straw man argument. The Bible says it's appointed unto every man once to die, but you don't have to die of sickness. The Bible says Moses was 120 years old and his eyesight never dimmed and his strength never abated. There's people that actually say that. They'll say, well, if we never get sick, brother, then how will we die? You don't have to die of sickness and you don't have to die of disease. You can come to a full old age and give up the ghost. You don't have to be sick to die. Sickness does not have to be your means of leaving the earth. You can be healed, you can be well, and your body be old and die. You do realize that the ultimate effect of sin on the physical body is that our physical bodies are passing away. And so, just the degradation of our flesh will one day cause death. It'll one day cause death. But you don't have to be sick to die. By no means do you have to be sick to die. It has nothing to do with being immortal. nothing at all. So you understand that if God would use sickness to test his children or sickness to come against his children, then he would also have to be allowed to use sin. He, He could be able to force you back into sin to test you because they were both judged at the same time on the cross as Jesus was crucified and judged by God, who ultimately ended up turning his back on his son. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was ultimate judgment. It was separation from God. What we were supposed to go through because of our sins and our trespasses. But Christ took it upon his body, nailed it to the cross, took stripes upon his back and destroyed the power of sin and death and destroyed the power of sickness and disease. And he destroyed the power of poverty all in one fell swoop. And so people that preach and teach that, well, these things that are happening, it's just God judging. It's not God judging the earth. It's not. We are not living in that time of judgment right now. We're living in a time of grace, a grace that allows people to receive Christ. A time of judgment is coming, but we're not in it right now. He's not judging the earth right now. He's giving the earth a space of grace to receive Christ before it's too late. Judgment will come trust me there'll be like there'll be plenty of judgment that comes in the future but as of right now god's extending a hand of grace and mercy to people to receive christ as their savior before it's too late but i want you to see this because there's even been pastors that have gotten up and preached that sometimes brother when you're sick it's god allowing it for a greater purpose it's god allowing it to teach them a lesson or make them a stronger believer make them rely more fully upon him and that is Absolute foolishness. It's absolute foolishness. It would mean that God Himself is double minded. After telling us not to be double minded, He then would become double minded Himself because His desire was to redeem us from sin and sickness through Christ and then take that back and put it back upon us again. That's ridiculous. It's absolute foolishness. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want you to see something. Sickness and disease were part of the curse of the law. The curse of the law. And so everybody that loves to read Deuteronomy uh, 28, love you, Brother Ted. Um, everybody that loves to read, read Deuteronomy 28, they all like to read Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. It's the blessings for obeying the law or the commandments of God. But then when you read um. When you read down through, you'll find that from verse 15 all the way to the end of the chapter is the curses. And much of the curses are sickness and disease and destruction of economic welfare of the people who disobey the Lord. Well, then you go to Galatians chapter three and you read what happened when Christ died on the cross. The Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us. From the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So Christ took the curse upon his body on the cross and destroyed it. So that we don't have to be cursed. We're not under a curse today. We are blessed by God. I'm not cursed. You're not cursed. And all the sicknesses and all the diseases that come under the law. And you know what's wonderful? Go back and read uh, Deuteronomy 28, 61. And you'll find that just God, God even put a loophole in there for you and for me. That even the diseases that had not been mentioned in the book of the law. Because there were sicknesses and diseases that did not even exist in the time of Moses. And so God puts a loophole in there for his children and says, even the sicknesses and the diseases that are not mentioned in this book of the law will come upon you if you do not obey the word of the Lord your God. So think about this. Because Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law, God put that loophole in there. So that even the ones that weren't mentioned, now that we are free, from the curse, even every sickness and every disease not mentioned in Deuteronomy 28, we are free from that sickness and disease because of the work of Christ. You can read Deuteronomy 28 as much as you want to read it. You'll not find the word cancer in there and you won't find coronavirus or COVID-19 in that passage because it was not around back then. It didn't exist and it was not listed in the book of the law. However, because verse 61 exists, we have power to overcome every sickness, every disease, whether it was mentioned in the law or not, because the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse pronounced by the law. Do you realize people that, that, that use the story of Job uh, to try to push the fact that God put sickness and disease, they don't even understand. They haven't even read the whole book. All that time, you know, Job is blaming God and, and, you know, he's all upset. And then God uses three full chapters to let a man rebuke Job for all the foolish things he said about God. And then when that man's done rebuking Job, God steps in and starts to rebuke Job. And at the end of the book, Job says, You're right. I should have kept my mouth shut. I was speaking about things I knew nothing about. I was speaking about things I knew nothing about. God's not in partnership with the devil. He's not in partnership with the devil. So you understand that, uh, and there's some people that argue, and I, maybe, maybe because you know I don't know if you know this or not, Job is, is the oldest book that we have in the Bible. And uh, it's such an early time in history. So I've heard some scholars argue even that the, uh, when God said to Job, all that Job has is in your hand. It wasn't God giving what Job had into the devil's hand is that it, this many, I've heard some scholars argue it this way. The devil did not know that he had power in the earth until the Lord let him know it's it's fallen in such a way that everything that he has is already in your hand. But God and the the portion that Don quoted earlier, God said, even though it's a fallen world and even all though all those things are true, I still won't let you touch his life. I still won't let you take his life. So it's not God giving power to Satan. It's God saying, Satan, although although it's a fallen world and that Job is in a fallen place, and even because of his fear, the door is open to your destruction, I still refuse to let you take his life. So think about it from that perspective. And the Bible says that Job said out of his own mouth, the thing that I've greatly feared has come upon me. Fear opens the door to the devil. Fear opens a hedge, uh, a door in the hedge of your protection. Fear is sin, the Bible says. Uh, Romans 14, 23, anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. And so fear is having faith in the wrong thing, as I dealt with in the very first session of, of any of these called How to Deal with the Demonic Spirit of Fear. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. And so understand God used Christ to redeem us from the curse of the law. And so God is not sending issues and problems, sicknesses and diseases on his people to make them stronger believers. He's not using sicknesses and diseases to make us depend more fully on him. No, he destroyed the power of sickness and disease over his children by the blood of Jesus being shed on the cross and the stripes he took upon his back. And so I want you to catch this with me. If you believe and think, That sometimes if you're going through an attack or something's coming on you and it's because God is testing you or if because God is punishing you or because God, is no, then what you'll say is this, well, if it it is God, if it is God doing these things, then maybe I shouldn't ask him for healing. Maybe I should ask him for strength to endure this because he's teaching me something that I, I, I don't yet know. This is the danger right here. This brings doubt and unbelief into the minds of Christians. If it's taught improperly to you, then you start to think like this. Well, maybe if if God is doing this, maybe if this is God putting this on me to teach me a lesson, maybe I shouldn't ask him to heal me because it's for his glory. Maybe I should just ask him for strength to endure. And there's people that that's what they ask for in the prayer line. Would you just pray that God would give me strength to endure this as he takes me through it That's not, you'll not find that in the Bible. You will not find that in the Bible. It's not how God operates with sicknesses and diseases. That is not how God operates. And so it's like one time my father uh, was praying for a woman. She came down to the altar and asked for prayer. Of course, she was all, uh, so many things wrong with her. Uh, Just pray for me. You want me to pray that God will heal you? No, brother. Just pray that God will give me strength to endure it. I know this, this has come from him. He's teaching me something. And my dad said, you really believe that? Oh, yes, yeah. He said, oh, really? You believe that God's put this on you for a greater purpose? Oh, yeah, for his glory. He said, okay, then let me pray according to your faith. And laid his hands on the woman. He said, oh, Lord, you've heard her faith. She knows you're putting this on her to teach her a lesson. And so because of her, uh, her piety, Lord, give her the desires of her heart. She wants you to be able to teach her. And he began to pray. Now, Lord, in Jesus' name, strike her deaf in both ears, strike her blind in both eyes, and give her cancer. And before you're done, kill her, Lord, for your glory. She ducked out from under his under his hand. She said, Well, Brother Shuttlesworth, I don't want God to kill me. And he said, Well, let me ask you a question. You said you're dealing with this problem in your body. Are you are you taking medication for it? She said, Well, yes, I am. He said, You big hypocrite. And she couldn't believe he would say that. She said, "What do you mean?" He said, "You just told me that God put this on you to teach you a lesson." She said, "Well, I believe He did." He said, "Well, if God gave it to you, why are you taking medication to try to get it off of you? If it came from God, it's for your benefit. It's for for a good thing, not bad. Why are you trying to get rid of it?" And she said, "Oh," and she dropped her eyes. She said, "Well, brother Shuttlesworth," she said, "Maybe I just don't have enough faith to be healed." He said, that's not true either. I just got done preaching to you for an hour. You've got an hour's worth of faith. He was trying to get it into her mind. It's not God that sends the sickness. It's not God that sends the disease. It's not God that does the evil thing. And so don't attribute the works of the devil to God. Don't attribute the works of the devil to God. I want you to put that in the comments section, every person that's watching. Don't attribute the works of the devil to God don't say it's God doing something when it's clearly the devil doing it. It is clearly the devil doing it. so don't give it to God and say it's Him making people sick and it's, it's him destroying the lives of men and women and it's God destroying and, and killing. you know it's not God it's the devil who does these evil things. It is the devil. Who does these evil things? Write it in the comments. Don't attribute the works of the devil to God. Don't attribute the works of the devil to God. Don't do it. Don't do it. And we'll deal with that, Troy. You pray the prayer of faith and you have somebody lay hands on you if you're not at a place where you have the faith. The Bible said, call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil and pray. Look at this now, 2 Corinthians chapter six. I want to make this point because people don't understand this principle, apparently. Second Corinthians chapter six and verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord does Christ have with the devil? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? So listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying. Light does not have fellowship with darkness. Christ does not have fellowship with the devil, nor does God. Nor does God. So if you believe that way, you have to come up with some kind of crazy theology that somehow God is in partnership with the devil and using the devil to start to put sicknesses and diseases on people for his glory and that God and the devil are in somehow in some kind of evil partnership behind the scenes to make these things happen. And that's not the case. That is not the case. If you want to know what the truth is, go to the gospel of John chapter 10. This is the verse that Dr. T.L. Osborne called the gospel in one verse, John chapter 10 and verse 10. Listen to what the Bible says. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, abundantly. So catch this. The Bible says it is the thief that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. If something's stealing your health, it's not God, it's the thief. If something is trying to destroy your body, it's not God, it's the thief. So understand, if you're a child of God, God is not destroying his children. How foolish do you have... I mean, you think about God. You think he's a God that destroys his children? Do you think he's a God who destroys his children? I mean, I am so far... I'm ai Using myself as an example, I am a natural man. I am a natural father. I am not God the Father. He is so much more of a perfect father than I am. But me just being a natural father, I don't ever want to see my kids suffer. I don't, not one, not only not one day, not one minute of one hour of one day do I want to see my children suffer. And I'm sure you don't either. I'm sure you don't either. But look what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter seven, the Bible says this in Matthew chapter seven, he said, um, verse seven of Matthew seven, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, everyone who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, uh, it will be opened. Or which of you? If your son asks him for bread, will he give a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Verse 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So what are we talking about? The nature and character of God. The nature And character of God. God is a loving heavenly father. He does not, he does not put evil things on his children. Absolutely not. And so what is God? God takes the blame. God takes the blame for the things that happen in the natural realm because people don't understand his character or or understand his nature. I say, well, God put this on me. Oh, really? If God, let me just say it this way to help you understand. If God did half the things that people say he did, if he was a natural father, child protective services would be at his house in hours taking his children away from him. If God did half of the things that people say he did, then God could be considered a child abuser. If God is putting cancer on his children to teach them lessons, if he's putting the coronavirus throughout the world to teach people lessons and to get, uh, to get people to depend more fully upon him, then God's a child abuser. Then God is not a loving heavenly father. God, because people, yeah, of course, God doesn't stop things. You know, you, you, people, Allison said, well, people say, well, he allowed it. Why didn't he stop it? Because God has given dominion and authority to his body on the earth. God allows what you allow. You have to remember that. God allows what you allow. I'll give you, I'll give you a per, a perfect example in the New Testament. Do you think, uh, if you think that if God was all, po- first of all, if you think God is all powerful, then you understand you believe in his omnipotence which we all do however although God is omnipotent God will not violate your free will and God will not violate his word and God will not do things as I said at the beginning of this broadcast uh, if you are literally in a place of doubt and unbelief and a perfect example of this is found in the gospel of Mark chapter 6 I want you to go there with me Mark chapter 6 verse 1 Here's to every person that might be watching the broadcast that says, well, if God, God allowed it, so, so why didn't he stop it? If he's all powerful, um, how come he didn't stop it? How come he did? And so I want you to see this. Oh, wow. Got a, naysayer, got a naysayer on Facebook, Ira Kelly, with the snarky comment about sowing and reaping. Somebody has a little attitude about sowing and reaping. Ira Kelly does. Uh, Mark chapter six, verses one through six. I want you to see this. To every person who thinks, um, "Well, the reason, uh, the reason that uh, that there happens because you know just God, God allowed it," and that's the same thing because He's all powerful. So if He allowed it, then why didn't He stop it? Well, let's go to Mark chapter six and find out why. The Bible says, "Jesus went into his own hometown, and his disciples followed him." And on the Sabbath day, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown among his relatives and his own household. Catch verses five and six. The Bible says, and he could, he could do no mighty work there except for laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief and went about the villages teaching and preaching. So here's a story where people are sick and need miracles and need healing. And are you going to tell me that Jesus, who is the son of God, who is God in the flesh, you're going to tell me then that Jesus went back to his hometown with the intention, because the Bible tells us he had this intention, with the intention of going in there and healing them and healing all that were hurting. But the Bible says, and could not do, could not do what he wanted to do because of their unbelief. Now you're going to tell me it's because God put the sicknesses on those people or did Jesus go in there to heal them and could not do it? See, the comments that Ira's putting on Facebook are, it's what most people don't understand. That's why I'm assuming Ira is a woman That's why she doesn't understand and many people don't understand. She comments, the same God that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah is the same God in control today. That's true. That is true, Ira. That is the same God. However, I want you to understand something. Sodom and Gomorrah were two twin cities so filled with vile sexual perversion and sin that God actually brought judgment onto those cities. But what did he do, Ira, before he brought judgment onto those cities? He sent two angels into those twin cities and took all of the people who were in covenant with him out of those cities before he destroyed them. That, by the way, is a picture of the rapture of the church in the Old Testament. Judgment will come again, But we're not going to be here for it, and it's not happening now. And all of those people in Sodom and Gomorrah are people that had turned their backs on God and were so perverse, God had to destroy and judge the city. But before he let one piece of fire or brimstone fall, two supernatural beings grabbed God's people, Lot and his family, who were in covenant with Abraham, and ripped them out of the city before it was too late. And so, yes, of course, he's the same God of today. But can I tell you, Ira, and everybody that's watching, the difference between 2020 and when that happened with Lot and his family in Sodom and Gomorrah? There was no Jesus, and there was no blood of Jesus, and there was no redemptive covenant that had been given to the earth. Those people weren't protected by the blood of Jesus, they weren't even saved. Not even Lot and his family were saved. They weren't even Christians. They were in covenant with God and they were literally, listen to this, they weren't even under the law of Moses yet. They weren't even under the law of Moses. So literally, you've got people that were being protected by God just from being in an Old Testament covenant with him. Now we have the blood of Jesus who destroyed sin, destroyed sickness, death, disease, and poverty on the cross. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, we have a better covenant established upon better promises. So, of course, He's the same God. He says that Himself in Malachi chapter 3 I am the Lord your God. I do not change. I do not change. So let me ask you this. Does God still require punishment for sin? Absolutely he does. Does he still punish sin with death? Absolutely he does. But watch this. In the time we're living in right now, who is the one who's the object of his punishment for the sins of the world until the time period is up? Jesus Christ is. So the reason he's not pouring out fire and brimstone around the earth today is because the object of his wrath in the time we're living in is Jesus Christ. Jesus was pummeled with the wrath of God on the cross of Calvary 2000 years ago. It's the reason that we can live in a dispensation of grace and not have fire and brimstone fall every time somebody falls into perverse sin. There's time for them to come to Christ There's time for them to be saved. There's time for the gospel to be preached. But that time is running out. Jesus is getting ready to come back and rapture the church the same way the angels raptured Lot and his family. And once we're gone, guess what? It'll be too late then. For we will transition into a time of judgment where the wrath of God will be poured out upon the whole earth for their rejection of Christ. So, whatever your little comments about $1,000 seeds, you should read your Bible. Open it up and read your Bible and understand what the Bible actually teaches about the redemptive covenant of Christ. And don't get mixed up between Old and New Testament theology. And this is why the church suffers is because they don't know the difference between seeing something that happened in the Old Testament and see, yeah, see what I mean? Ira doesn't even understand. God is all bubble gum, rainbows and lollipops. He is a good God who gave us freedom to to live in his goodness because of the uh, sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The fact that you don't understand that doesn't change the truth or reality of it. There is judgment coming, but it hasn't come yet. And people like you should thank God that it hasn't come yet. There's time for you to get your act together and serve the Lord and understand the truth of God's word that we're living in a time of God's grace and his mercy And he's not sending coronavirus to destroy his children or to destroy the earth. He's not sending, we're not living in a time of God's wrath on the earth. We're living in a time of his grace on the earth. It's a time of his grace and mercy on the earth. And many people should fold their hands, kneel on their knees and thank God above that we're living in a time of grace and mercy and not a time of wrath because that time is coming, but it's not here yet. But God has anointed people like me and others to be a a person who stands up and warns those that don't know Christ is coming. Judgment is coming. Wrath is coming. It's time to get right with God before time runs out and Jesus comes back because once he comes, there'll be no more time for people to get right with God the way that they can now. There'll be no more time. And so you understand that the reason God's not doing it the same way he did in the past, it's not because God changed. Nobody's preaching God changed. He said, I remain the same. Hebrews 13 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changed. That's not the point we're making. Listen closely. What changed? He sent somebody to be the one who would stand in our place and take the judgment for our sins. And then anyone who accepts that sacrifice by faith is exempted from the judgment of God. Anybody who does not accept that sacrifice by faith will endure the wrath of God. It's not, an ex- it's not a, a, a complex thing to understand. It's easy to understand. Christ created a, an umbrella of God's wrath so that we could stand under the umbrella protection of Christ's blood and not partake in the wrath of God. Those who refuse to come under the umbrella are going to get wet with the wrath of God. And that's that's how it happens. And so Ira, after having said all that, I'd like to challenge you to sow a $1000 seed. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked myself up. Uh, but the Bible, the Bible teaches, think about this. The Bible teaches, <laughs> I'm still laughing. The Bible teaches that it is not God who is the origin of sickness and disease. The thief is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you know what the Bible says? I mean, show me one place in the New Testament. Show me one place in the New Testament where Jesus Christ came up to somebody or they came up to him and they were battling sickness and disease and Jesus, instead of healing them, said, well, you know, uh, I can't heal you because really this is uh, my father put this upon you to teach you a lesson, and so I refuse to heal you. I I can't help you. There's nothing to be done because my powers here have no, they, they will not have any efficacy in your life because my father planned this for you for his greater purpose. You're not gonna find that in the New Testament. Anytime Jesus encountered sickness and disease, he treated it as an enemy and destroyed it by supernatural power. The Bible says in 1 John chapter three, I want you to go there with me. 1 John chapter three and verse eight, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning since the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So watch this. Jesus' purpose when he came to the earth, according to 1 John chapter three, is to destroy the works of the devil. How do we know what the works of the devil are? How can we define what the works of the devil are? We define it by looking at what Jesus did. And one scripture that can give us that, that, that definition in one verse of scripture, it's the first scripture that I ever learned as a little boy And I get up on, my father had me stand on the platform as a little boy and and quote this verse of scripture in Acts 10.38. Listen to this. The Bible says, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and doing what? Doing good. What is good? They're about to define it. Doing good and healing all. Healing how many? All who were oppressed by, who were they oppressed by? The devil for God was with him. So look at this in one verse of scripture. God's the one who anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And then he went about doing good. How? By healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for who was with him? For the Lord was with him. So notice this, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, what are the the works of the devil? One of the works of the devil is sickness and disease. Sickness and disease, and the Bible says, he healed all those who were oppressed of the devil. The devil does the oppressing, God does the healing. The devil does the oppressing, Christ does the healing. Put it in the comments, every person that's watching. The devil does the oppressing, Christ does the healing. The devil does the oppressing, Christ does the healing. Don't ever get that mixed up. Many people have. It's why they're not healed. It's why they battle week after week, month after month, day after day. The reason They can't have faith, they're double-minded, because they think maybe, just maybe, God put this on me to teach me a lesson, to help me to be a stronger believer, to, to give me more. I wanna just rely more fully on you, Lord. That's why I know you gave this to me. It is the devil who does the oppressing. Christ does the healing, that's right. Pop it in the comments, wherever you're watching from. The devil does the oppressing. Christ does the healing in Jesus' name. He's the healer. Show me one passage of scripture where Christ approached someone and they were doing great. They were doing great. And they said, he said, how you doing? And they said, I'm wonderful. I feel stronger than I ever have. I'm, I'm just, I feel so awesome. And he said, well, let me help you here. Let me lay my hands on you and just impart some sickness into your body because you're doing too well in my opinion. I think you need to tone it down a little bit and just start relying more fully on God. So I know you feel great right now. I know you're doing it, but let me lay hands on you and just impart some sickness into your body. Show me one place where Jesus imparted sickness into someone's body. Show me one place. You know, you've got, there's people in this generation, There's. they're so foolish that they'll say, well, if you see somebody getting healed in a church meeting, you know, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. I know there's people that are watching me on the broadcast right now. You might have come out of some kind of a denomination where they taught you that the Holy Spirit doesn't move like that anymore and that he's no longer operating like that anymore. And now, you know, he doesn't He doesn't heal like he healed in the early church. That was all for the establishing of the church and, you know, for the, uh, the appointment of canon and all that. But once that was all done, you know, so if you're seeing that happen, it's probably just a, it's probably just a, a deception of the devil. And then, they're, then they got God making people sick. And then if you see healings happening, that's the devil trying to deceive you to believe it's still happening. So what they've got now is a theology where God is making people sick and the devil is healing them. They've switched the whole thing around. God's the one making people sick and the devil's healing them. That is so stupid. So stupid. It couldn't be any dumber. God doesn't make people sick. You don't have any picture of Jesus making anybody sick. Anytime he comes into uh, contact with someone who is sick or diseased, he healed them. And if he went back to his own time, they didn't have faith. He wanted and tried and attempted to heal them. And their own free will kept them out of their healing. A moment ago in the comments, um, Emily said, I agree, but John 9 3 confuses me a little bit. Can you explain it? John chapter 9 and verse 3 says this. I'll read from verse 1 in context. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Um, One of the things you have to understand about this chapter and about this, this passage, this gets asked about all the time. Jesus is actually saying here that his sickness, the healing of his sickness is going to display the works of God in him. Not that he was made sick so that God's glory could be d- displayed. The reason that the, that the disciples asked the question that they did is because that they understood sickness and, uh, and disease can be opened up or the door can be opened up into your life for the attack of the devil because sin is there. Sin, wickedness, disobedience to the word of God, just like in the Old Testament, can open the door to the devil in your life. That's why they asked the question. Jesus is saying, no, it wasn't because of sin. He's saying, but we're going to see the works of God manifested in this man's life and has nothing to do with God making him sick or God making him blind for his own glory. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that the works of God are going to be seen in this man's body as the healing comes. And notice this as you read it all together. It's not that this man has sinned or his parents. Now look, but that the works of God might be displayed in him, we must work the works of him who sent me. While it is yet day for the night is coming where no man can work. You see that same, same as Lazarus tomb. Do you think that Jesus caused Lazarus death or did he show up in time that only he would get all the glory? Only God would get all the glory. God never makes somebody sick. And Jesus here is not saying that God made this man blind. That's not the point of the story it's the the point of the story is that the man's blindness will bring glory to God when the works of God are manifested in his life. You see that? That's the important thing. He's saying the works of God are going to be displayed and then God will get glory for his healing. Good question. So I want you to see this with me. The Bible says that he healed all those that were oppressed of the devil for the Lord was with him. Anytime Jesus encountered sickness or disease, he healed it and caused healing to come. Now, this is a very, very important thing here. I want to show you this, and I'm going to pray for you guys in a moment and believe God for healing in your own lives. And, and there's been people asking uh, for healing, and would you pray for me? I had somebody that said the last time, would you please pray for me? Please, and we're going to pray. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith in just a moment at the end of this broadcast, but I want to show you something first. I want you to go with me in your Bible to um, go with me to Matthew chapter 11. This is such an important one right here that you cannot miss it. Such an important one right here. Do, please do not miss this. Here is something that is so, yes, this will, be, this will be on YouTube, Troy. All these are airing on Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope simultaneously, Twitter. So they will all be, uh, and we're, we've also created a playlist with all the Spirit of Faith sessions. If people want to binge them, they can binge them. But I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 11. Listen to this. Here is something that is so vitally important when it comes to understanding this that you've got to see it. Look, the Bible says, uh, when the, this, I'm going to start with verse 1, Matthew 11, 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Stop right there for a second. The question John is asking is, are you the Messiah? Are you the son of God? Are you the are you the one that the coming one that we've been waiting for? Or should we look for somebody else? Now, look how Jesus answers this important question. Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Or are we waiting for somebody else? Look what he says. Verse four, and Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, number one. The lame walk, number two. Lepers are cleansed, number three. The deaf hear, number four. The dead are raised up, number five. The poor have the good news preached unto them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Catch this, what is Jesus saying here? When they ask him, are you the Messiah? Are you the anointed one the, one, the the son of God that we've been waiting for? Jesus points to his healing miracles as the proof that he's the son of God. Now, let me unpack this for you because if you don't understand why this is so vitally important, for any person any preacher, any Christian that would ever attempt to say that if you see healing taking place, that's the devil deceiving people because that doesn't happen anymore. Hold on a second. You can't say that. You cannot say that if you read the Bible because how could Christ use those miracles as proof he was the Messiah if the devil can do the same things Jesus is doing. Stop right there and let that sink into your spirit. How can Jesus use his healing miracles as proof he's the son of God if the devil can do healing miracles? It would not have been the right answer to give John's disciples because they could say, well, we've seen witch doctors doing healing miracles. What point are you trying to make? We've seen demons healing people. What point are you trying to make? Demons don't heal. The devil can't heal. Evil spirits have no regenerative powers. That is reserved for the creator. It's reserved for Christ. It's reserved for God, Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals you. It's reserved for the Holy Spirit. They heal. The devil can't heal. And so for people to say, well, you know, that's the devil doing that stuff. If you see healing happening, that's the devil deceiving. That is the stupidest thing you could ever say and still breathe. Logically, you can't even believe that. And if you believe that, then you don't you don't have any solid ground to believe Jesus was the Messiah. Because he he's the one that used that as proof he was the Messiah. The blind see, the deaf hear, lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, the lame walk. There's your proof. How much more do you need? Go back and tell John that I am the one based on these things, based on these things. He is a healer. God is a healer. Christ is a healer. He has no plans now or ever to make his children sick or to judge you with sickness or disease. You are a child of the king and you have a loving heavenly father who is, Listen, he he said this in Matthew 7, earthly fathers are so good to their kids, how much more is your heavenly father good to you? Absolutely he's good to you. And he's not going to put coronavirus on your body to teach you a lesson. He's not going to put cancer on your body to teach you a lesson. He's not going to destroy your family to teach you a lesson. God doesn't do evil things to teach his children lessons at all. Then you say, well, what wasn't it evil what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah? Absolutely not. It was righteous and it was holy. It was righteous and it was holy. Do you realize, and here's where people mess this up. Let me give you a heads up on this. Because people like Ira will use that as an example to try to get people to misunderstand. Well, look what he did in Sodom and Gomorrah. He's the same God today. Oh, yes, he is the same God today. And sin has always held the penalty of death. Sin has always held the penalty of death. Listen, if if we all got what we deserved right now, every sinner would go immediately into the lake of fire right now in this instant. And every one of us would go to heaven because we've received the redemptive act of Christ by faith, but we're not in God's giving us time right now. But Let let me just say this. In the Old Testament, where there was no redeemer, God had every right. There was no blood of Jesus that that was actually uh, standing in the gap for people's sins. There was no dispensation of grace. God had every right to judge sin whenever he wanted to. In the Old Testament, remember that. In the Old Testament, God had every right to judge sin whenever he wanted to, anytime, at any time. Remember this in the New Testament. Although we're in a dispensation of grace and mercy right now, there are things that sinners do that affect their lives. God will let them do what they want to do. God's not going to stop them. God's not going to stop people from shooting uh, uh, you know, heroin into their veins. God's not going to stop people from sleeping around with so many people until they've spread every STD they could spread among their community. He's not going to stop their free will. And so there are actions you can take that will bring destruction to your physical body. But then don't go around telling everybody it was God's will that you, that it happened because God doesn't use evil things to destroy his people. And don't allow sin or the judgment of sin be the same thing as your understanding of God's redemption for his children. It's different. I'm speaking to Christians tonight. I'm not speaking to sinners. God does not use evil things to destroy. Okay, so 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 look at this. Let's just say for example, we say, well, couldn't it be both? Couldn't it be um couldn't it be both? Couldn't it be God at the same time uh, judging the the unjust today with virus? Well if he did, he's doing a bad job of it. Because uh, there are many, 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 many wicked people that have not caught the virus. Many. Pornographers, child molesters, uh, human traffickers, cartel members, many, many wicked people that have not even felt the virus. And there are Christians who have. So if you believe that the virus or any other wicked thing is sent by God to judge the earth, he's a bad shot with very poor aim. Because he's missed many wicked people with it and he's hit some Christians. People just don't think and they don't read their Bible and they have had bad teaching over the years. He's not a God that destroys his children. He's a God that blesses and heals and restores his children. The origin of sickness and disease is not God, but it is the devil and his evil works. And God is the healer. Christ is a healer. He's a protector. He's a hedge of protection around your family. I'm declaring it over you. These things will not touch you in Jesus' name. They will not touch you in Jesus' mighty name. These things will not touch you. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but these things will not touch you in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to lift your hands wherever you're watching. If you're in a room full of people, I want you to join hands because I'm going to pray the prayer of faith over every one of you right now and ask God to touch you by his mighty power. Wherever you're watching from, there's many watching me that you're sick in your body and you're you're suffering. You're believing for a miracle. I want to loose the power of God to you right now, wherever you are. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I loose the anointing of your spirit to every man, every woman that's watching the broadcast. I ask you, Lord, to touch them by your power tonight. In Jesus' name, let healing virtue flow through their body. Make them whole in Jesus' name. Right now, I take authority over respiratory issues. Those that are having trouble breathing, having issues in their lungs, I pray now for them. Those that are battling COPD, pneumonia, issues of the flu, those that are battling the coronavirus, I take authority over respiratory issues tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And I loose the power of God. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Touch them now by the power of the Holy Ghost. I command sickness and disease to run from your house in Jesus' mighty name. I lose peace and joy to God's people. I pray that tonight is the best rest you've ever had in Jesus' name. Best rest that you've ever had. Sleep like a baby through the night, not waking up not in pain, not in panic, not in fear, not in anxiety, not in depression. Be made whole by the power of God. In Jesus' wonderful name, and Lord, we thank you for it. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray for my brother that's battling type 2 diabetes. I take authority over it now. I loose the anointing to your pancreas and to your blood cells. I command your pancreas to produce insulin naturally, and I command those blood cells to not be insulin resistant, but to receive it Receive the insulin that, that the Lord created your body to produce in Jesus' name. I command the sugar levels of your blood to go to normal and for you to have to and to go off insulin. Whoa. My God. My prayers have set off the fire alarms. <laughs> I'm praying so hot in here that the fire alarms are going off. <laughs> right in the middle of the prayer. My God, the fire alarms have kicked off in the house. <laughs> in Jesus' name, receive it, Troy, by the power of God. I command you get better, 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 better in Jesus' name. Better, better, better in Jesus' name. My God, if I start praying like that, who knows what's gonna happen in this neighborhood. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. That's it, fire, fire. Folks, as you can hear from the fire alarms, what we really need to pray for is my wife's cooking. So would you ever just stretch your hands towards Carolyn as she attempts to cook another meal in the kitchen? They usually end up in burnt little bricks. No, I'm kidding, she's a great cook. <laughs> in Jesus' name, I'm so happy you guys are hanging with me tonight. I love Lakeside Assembly of God Church. It's good to see you on the night. Jill's laughing. (laughs) Oh man, I love it. I love you guys. And I'm glad you're putting in questions as we're going through the teaching because it helps me as we're going through for you to see what we're talking about in each step of this teaching tonight. Sickness and disease is of the devil. It is not of God. It is not of God. Let me encourage every person that's watching tonight, Take that step of faith and sow a seed tonight. Let me tell you, God's not only is sickness and disease not from God, poverty and lack is not from God. The origin of poverty and lack is not from God. Those of you that maybe you're struggling, going paycheck to paycheck, issues financially, it is never God's desire that you struggle financially. It is never God's desire that you miss out on financial increase. God has a plan to financially bless your family. And the key to stepping into that blessing is engaging his system of sowing and reaping by faith. Everything God does is by his covenant. Healing is by his covenant. Salvation is by his covenant. And financial blessing is by his covenant. You've got to engage it by faith. So what do we do? We always pray and say, Lord, speak a word to us. Tell us what we we should do to step into the blessing you have planned. Think about this. God knows what you're going to need tomorrow. He knows what you're going to need next month, next year, next decade. How does he get you to that place where you have more than what you need? He gets you there by impressing upon your heart a seed that he's asking you to sow that will bring you into the harvest that you need that will be more than enough for the level that you're stepping into. And God always knows how to do it. And so here's, the, here's what you need to do. You need to pray and say, Lord, what are you asking me to sow by faith that's going to generate the harvest I need to bring me into the blessing you have planned, the overflow you have planned? I'm thanking God tonight that Sister Ira that was on Facebook tonight is sowing a $1,000 seed. Ira, I know that's what was in your heart and that's what you're doing tonight. So thank you, thank you for sowing $1,000, Sister Ira. We love you. And Sister Ira, guess what? Guess what we're sending you because you sewed that $1,000. We're sending you the Life Application Study Bible in genuine leather uh, with many, many notes, thousands of notes in the Bible, all kinds of background, geography, There's all kinds of uh, stuff. Look at this, one of my favorite things. I love when they do, they'll pick a person in the text and they will actually do an outline of that person's life, what you need to know about it. It's like a mini bio of these important people throughout the Bible. And so thank you, Sister Ira. Appreciate you sowing that seed. We're going to be sending you this this Bible, and I'll sign it to you as our gift to you. Not only that, we're going to send you that powerful book by uh, Brother A.A. Allen, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. And so thank you, Ira. You're very generous. Thank you for sowing that $1,000 seed. Anybody that'll join her tonight and sow that seed of $1,000, we're going to send you that Bible as well. And uh, those of you that are joining with me and Carolyn this month at $85 or more, we're going to send you not only that book, we're going to send you... uh, our love in prayer. Is Ira still there? I don't know, but I enjoyed her tonight. I enjoyed her um, getting into the conversation with us. It was fun. It was fun. Oh, Ira might be a guy. Jenna's saying Ira might be a guy by the picture on the profile. I don't know. I didn't check, but I'm sorry, Ira, if I was calling you a woman, but you're really a guy. Thank you. Ira, the guy for sowing a seed of a thousand dollars tonight. Appreciate it very much. Love you. Good. That's a great book, Luenda. Jenna said, Ira, Jenna said, who works in our office, she said, if Ira shows a thousand, she's also going to send you all of my books and my CDs too. She just gave you a benefit on top of the Bible and the book. She's going to send you all of my books and all my CDs. You're getting the full package, Ira. So thank you. Thanks for sewing. How do you sew? You can go to miracleword.com and sew on the website. You can always go, if you're in Facebook or you're in Twitter or Periscope, you can always put hashtag donate in the comments. And of course, we receive PayPal and Cash App as well. The information's on the screen. And there's some people that are even still sending checks through the mail as though you can trust the post office. It's really that that's the biggest miracle of all that when you put something in the US Postal Service hands, it gets to where it's going. We do love you, Iron. We appreciate your faithfulness. Appreciate it very much. Hopefully he's not like stomped off into a corner somewhere with his arms folded, huffing and puffing and being upset and offended. I'm on, yeah, of course, Mike. I'm on tomorrow. I'll be on every day at 7. Of course, Monday, coming back on uh, 10.30 and uh, 7 o'clock. But of course, tomorrow, which is Sunday, I will be on at 7 p.m. for Spirit of Faith session number 6. Uh, tomorrow night, you're not going to miss it. I'll be right back. I want you guys to meet me here. And uh, it's going to be great. I'm I'm loving these sessions, man. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost on every single one of these sessions. If you didn't get a chance to share, please, please take a minute and share this broadcast. It will help people. Let me just tell you, this is not being preached. People are hearing the wrong thing. It's keeping them out of their blessing. Jenna said, Ira's in a dark closet, sitting Indian style, just mad, just mad. Yeah, uh, Cora, we're not not live on Saturdays and Sundays in the morning, just Monday through Friday. (laughs) Yeah, man, I'm also going to be posting something in the morning though because it's Sunday morning tomorrow, so I'll be preaching. I'm not going to be live like this, but I will be preaching to you and it'll be live on YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook tomorrow morning uh, at 10.30. So there'll be a little praise and worship. And there's going to be a full message. I'm going to preach a full message of faith to you live online in the morning. So you can join for that. Won't be me like this, but it'll be me preaching live in a service. And we're going to air it for you guys uh, to have something. I know many of you can't go to church because the the churches are closed. So we're going to do that to build your faith in the morning. So tomorrow morning at 10.30, I'll be uh, preaching live and then tomorrow night at 7 p.m., I'll be back just like this for the Spirit of Faith sessions. And you're not going to want to miss it, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Scott said, I enjoyed the word you shred. I think he means shared, but I'll take shred too. Uh, that's a compliment to me that I, that I was shredding. Thank you very much. <laughs> not shredding in a bad way. That's right. Absolutely. Any questions tonight before we... Go our separate ways. I know you got things to do. Locked in your house, looking at your same family member in disgust for the last six days. No, I'm kidding. I know you're enjoying your family. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we keep popping them in that playlist on YouTube. Listen, if you guys haven't subscribed on YouTube, do so for me. Pop over to YouTube and subscribe and um, sing in tomorrow too. I'm going to have singing on. There's going to be praise and worship on for sure. Mike, I've got no idea. What Carolyn made for dinner. Apparently it got a little too hot at some point. I don't even know. I hope it's not like a hard little pork chop brick that was burnt to death. Because I'm going to Taco Bell, if that's the case. <laughs> that's awesome, Juan. Building our faith. First video meeting to study the Bible and try to- That's amazing. Praise God for that one. Excellent. If you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, Juan said. Your guidance and help, let me, go, let me read it. That's, that's an excellent testimony. Your guidance and help on building our faith made us take a step of faith with our family. We just had our first video meeting to study the Bible and try to build their faith as well in Spanish. That's excellent. Praise God for that. Yes, Karen, you can use regular oil to anoint yourself, family and house. Absolutely. I've done it so many times that it's not even funny. Mazzola cooking oil. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> Oh, man, Chilies. That sounds delicious. You're not at chilies, but you cook chilies. <laughs> I would hope they're still open late, Mike. I don't understand why they would close. I mean, I do, but I don't. I do, but I don't. Um, absolutely. It better not be the size of a pebble. I'm hungry. <laughs> I love that, that You can watch on YouTube on your 50-inch television. I love it. People locked in with their families. I love being locked in with my families. I had Chick-fil-A for lunch, Allison. It was delicious. I was out at Home Depot today. It was jammed. Listen to me. They're telling you that uh, Florida shut down. Carolyn and I went to Home Depot. It was jammed with people. The parking lot and inside, completely full. No social distancing today. I didn't see any of it. Thank you, Heather. Appreciate that. Adrian, as soon as I have t- uh, dates in Texas, I will let you know. Always check back on the website because it's always being updated with n- with new uh, meetings being put on. Thank you, Cora. I appreciate that. <laughs> Tammy said oil- olive oil, Vaseline, baby oil. <laughs> I get it, Scott. I understand. I got the same problem, same issue. I'm glad. Thank you, Ariana. Ghost Town, huh? Not here, man. Not here. Carolyn is a snake slayer. Did you see? Yeah, ours closed too, Kristen. Our Planet Fitness is closed. Can't believe it. I was so mad that they closed it. DJH, we bought 15 bags of mulch today. How can I do... How can I undo years of bullying I unknowingly did to my nephew when he was growing up? I think the best thing, Troy, is just put him in a headlock and give him a nugget and be like, I was just messing around like that. And he'll probably just laugh it off. Good, Kevin. It's going to be great. The West Virginia camp meeting at the end of April is going to be phenomenal. You guys want to get there if you can get there. Dates are on my website. Everything's on the website. What's up from Alaska? Love you, Ariane. Love you and your husband. Sure, it was just magic. It was demonic magic and manifestation, Patricia. She's asking how Pharaoh's magicians were able to turn their rods into snakes. It was just demonic magic. Demonic man. <laughs> Al said, give him a wedgie. That was just demonic, demonic manifestations, but that's why uh, Aaron's rod ate theirs up. That was God showing His power, and it was a it was a statement. Love you guys up at Harvest Church, of course, Clifton Park. Love you all so much. Baked walleye fish, fried red potatoes, onions, garlic. I love it. Pinto bean soup, organic corn green beans. Listen, Carolyn. Carolyn's been tearing up the dinners since we've been in this, uh, since we've been home. She made phenomenal fillets the other night with shrimp, with rice, corn on the cob, made me little Brazilian uh, cheese breads that I love so much. I mean, she's been making, she made spaghetti and meat sauce that was off the chart. Last night, she made shrimp tacos and beef tacos with homemade cilantro cream sauce off the chart. I've been eating well, my friend. This is a dangerous time. My gym is closed and I'm eating extremely well. Very, very dangerous time for me right now. Very dangerous. (laughs) Listen. No, I understand, Troy. Just show him love. Let him know things are different. Apologize if necessary if you haven't already and just begin to show him love. Let him know that uh, you're sorry that it happened and that, that you wish that it hadn't and Begin to walk in love toward him. Thank you to everybody sowing seeds. I really appreciate you guys in love. Love you so much. Shut in, cook in. That's right. Pinto beans make me want to puke, Genesis. <laughs> uh, good question. Samuel's asking, uh, King Saul called Samuel back from the dead to hear from God. Was it really Samuel? No. In one part of the Bible, it says that that's what he saw. But if you read it in the other passage in the scripture, the Bible says it was a familiar spirit. You can't call people back from the dead in that way. You can't call someone's spirit back from the dead. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. Now you can raise the dead, but you can't call somebody's spirit out of eternity. That's witchcraft. And that's what the Bible says that it was. He consulted a medium and then he saw a familiar spirit. And that's what happened in that situation. Yeah, exactly. I love Taco Bell. Yeah, Troy, take him to Taco Bell and tell him, hey, this is my gift to you. This is my gift to you. Your mom would crumple cornbread in a bowl of pinto beans and you weren't taken away from her by Child Protective Services? I can't understand it. I can't understand it. Listen, if you guys have any questions about the protection you have as a believer, get that. Get that. Blood on the door, the protective power of covenant. It's available at miracleword.com. It's available on uh, Amazon. It's available on Apple Books. It's available on Kindle. Go and get it. It'll bless you. It will open your eyes to understand how you have protection from the Holy Ghost no matter what's going on around the world. You are divinely protected by God. <laughs> you guys are making me laugh, man. I should have been taken away for far worse. (laughs) Jenna, you're making me laugh tonight. I love it. Well, you you have to just do what you can, Troy, and then the rest is on him. You have to do what's right, and then, you know, the rest is on him. I also have a study guide, by the way, um, for that book, which you can get. Takes you through the teaching, gives you extra places where you can write in notes. It'll be a massive blessing to you guys. And uh, we want to make sure you get it. By the way, let me say this. If you didn't get it or know about this yet, we just launched this brand new course on on Miracle Word University, uh, Mountain Moving Faith. This will massively bless you and teach you more about what we're talking about, how to have functional mountain moving faith, what will hinder your faith, what will keep it from working, and then how God will use it to uh, do supernatural things within your own life and ministry. And then, of course, all of our courses are now available in a bundle that we're giving you 28% off. You get a quarter of those are actually, um, basically, it's like getting a course for free. And so there you, $199 uh, for all three, that's what, $50 a month we even allow you to do. Uh, So you can do all of that. By the way, this is the study guide for Blood on the Door. Let me see if I can get it right up there on, on the inside. Blood on the Door study guide. That's it. And going along with, uh, so you can get both of them if you want to do it like in a small group setting. No better no better time to do it when you're locked into your house. So you can get Blood on the Door study guide and the book together. And I think there might be a special price for that on our website. If there's not, Tiffany, if you're watching, we could make one. We could do it that way if you wanted to. Um, but there's all kinds of issues in, or uh, issues, not issues, pages in here. Where you can actually, it's asked. It's got questions where you they give you questions and then you places for you to, answers, uh, put your answers, uh, guides you through the teaching, and uh, and and gets your mind thinking about what was taught. And one of the cool things that we added uh, were these sections, which are not in the book. But I don't know if you can see that these things are called sword sharpener, and it goes into certain verses or words within the text and gives you background. Uh, these are called sword sharpeners. Gives you background on what's being taught. Sometimes the Greek or Hebrew word. Sometimes the background on a verse. So this is a huge, huge um, addition to the book that you can put together, and uh, it makes for a great study set uh, session or set for, for group or personal study. Yeah, yeah, it's on the website. You can get it at miracleword.com, Kristen, and. Uh, It'll bless you guys. I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging with me. Um, One of my favorite things, I'm playing it one more time before we go out tonight, my favorite song, which is I'm a Pentecostal. I love, love that song. And uh, so we're gonna end with that tonight. Thank you to everybody that gave. Thanks for everybody that's logged on. If you didn't get a chance to share, share it. People need this, man. I'll be back 10.30 in the morning for church online. I'm gonna preach to you. We'll be praise and worship. And then uh, also, tomorrow night, Spirit of Faith session, 7 p.m. I love you guys so much. Have a great night. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your dinner. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Love you all.
0: stuff leaders should be made of.